We are in a series called Created for a Purpose. And the whole idea behind this is to try to get in touch with why, why were you created? Why do you have hands and eyes and uh, emotions and all these kinds of things? And so um, what I wanted to do real quick was just sum up very quickly where we are. We're in week three. The first two weeks was created to gather and created to give. Created to, to basically to be together and created for stewardship. Those are two of our, the big things about why we were created. And if you call Living Spring your home, church, and you have missed either one of these, I strongly urge you to listen to them because it gives a really good indication of who we are as a church, why we talk the way we do, why we get together, um, why we, are, we combine our resources in giving and what's that all about. And so if, you, if this is your home uh, church, I would encourage you to either, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can go online and subscribe to our podcast, or you can just go online and listen to it. I would love it, love it, love it if you listen to those first two weeks. I don't normally say that, um, but I wanted to this week. Um, One of the biggest problems I've had my whole life as a dad, um, this is confession time, Um, I hate to be interrupted if what I think I'm doing is important, right? I don't know if you're the same way or if you're just kind of shaking your head going, wow, and I thought he was a Christian. Uh, But if I think what I'm doing has value or is important or, if I'm, or, or there's a sense of urgency to it, I can't stand being interrupted. And so if I'm working on the car, especially if like, I really need to concentrate. And so I don't know if that's just a man thing or if like women, you guys are like, man, me too, which is great because then we're all in the same boat. But, but that's kind of the thing. We don't like to be interrupted. And, and, and we kind of have a value system based on what we're doing. So if I'm in the other room watching um, reruns of Saved by the Bell, that is least important. And so there's this kind of justice that my wife or kids, they, they can interrupt that because it's not very important. You know, I, I wouldn't be on too great a leg if, I, if Lisa was saying, like, you know, have you paid the bills? And I'm like, I'm watching Saved by the Bell. Stop. Leave me alone. I got 15 more minutes, you know, right? Because what I'm doing isn't really important. The same, same thing would go if, like, you're cleaning the house or whatever, vacuuming, and, and, and nobody's doing anything. You're doing all the work. Um, this happens to me a ton. And, um, and then someone's paying, like, words with friends. And you're like, hey, can you get up and, you know, not play words with friends? I'm, you know, we, we got to get the house, house clean. And, and that is just something that happens to me. Uh, but right, because we, we value what we're doing, like, like, and, and, we can, and we realize, well, we can interrupt at this point and this point because what, what you're doing is not very important. What, what if I told you that oftentimes we interrupt ourselves in the most important task we could be doing? That oftentimes we're working on a task, and I'll get to that task in just a little bit. There's, there's kind of like a name for it. Um, but that if, 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 if you knew you were working on something really important, and there, you, there's examples of these. You'll be with your, with your kids, okay? Really important thing to be doing, spending time with your kids, and you'll remember there's a game on. And so you, 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 you have this really important thing you're doing, and you interrupt yourself to go do something less 
valuable. Or maybe you have a goal to lose weight or whatever. And so you are working on that. It's very hard. You've taken out carbs. You've taken out gluten. You've taken out fun. Okay. You've basically (laughs) taken out everything. And then you interrupt yourself from that very important task to to have a slice of cake. And, you know, we can come up with all, all sorts of other examples. But there's something even more than that that I want to talk about this morning. When I was preparing the way I prepare is I, I go through all the scripture and then things will pop out and I'll write them down and then, um, and then put them in here. And one of the things that I wrote down is that our destination will suffer from procrastination, right? And this is true in almost everything. If you have a, if you have a goal to be financially independent when you, when you uh, I almost said when you graduate, you won't be, you'll be in debt, but uh, to be, you know, to, to have your 401k all done and you procrastinate on investing or saving, that, that destination, you'll, you'll miss that destination because you've procrastinated. And same with almost everything important. And so we kind of get that. And that's, that sounds kind of like a motivational speaker right there. You know, I, I should have a, my teeth whitened and, uh, you know, be, be awesome. But, but what if it's more important than just that, than just life goals, than just losing a few pounds? What if your life had more meaning and purpose and that what you are doing and who you are is really, really important. That what you're accomplishing as just being present and already having been created. That you can interrupt that. Now, your destination will suffer from procrastination again. That sounds like it should be on a bumper sticker on chicken soup for the soul. Um, so I wrote this down. Obedience often suffers from expedience. God has a plan for you, a goal, a destination. Um, In seminary, they teach you a a bunch of words um, that is really awesome to impress your friends with because everybody is impressed with seminary words. Um, But I'm going to give you a word that you can take to work tomorrow and you can use it and then people are going to be like, oh my wow, are you a genius? And you're like, well, yes, I am. I go to church. And, uh, and it's the word telos, your telos. This is, this is the, your goal, your kind of the fulfillment of who God wants you to be, the end. That's your telos. And did you know that your telos has very little to do with your 401k or how much poundage you've gained over the last few months. That there's a wealth in a relationship with your Heavenly Father that He wants you to experience. There's a joy in this relationship with your Heavenly Father that He wants you to experience. There's peace that the Bible says in really weird terms. It says there's a peace that doesn't even make any sense. It it surpasses all comprehension. It's just that, that God probably has a goal for you that's way bigger than your goal for you right now? And what if you were interrupting that? What what if some things were in your life that were interrupting that? Because that's really, really important. Oftentimes what I found in my own life that obedience suffers from expedience. Expedience is just what I want right now, what I can get right now. It's it's satisfying a 
a, a need or a want or a, um, I'm going through hard times, so I'm going to run to this. That, that's because it's expedient. Th- to get to the telos that God has for me seems like it's going to take too long. It, we do this all the time in the area of sexuality where we think to ourselves, um, you, you know, the culture around just says, look, whatever, that's just a really need that you have and you can satisfy it any way you want. Expedience. And God says, I have a telos for your sexuality that's different, that's more fulfilling, that's better if you just be obedient and not let expedience get in the way from that. I wrote this down. Expedience feels awesome, okay? Like like anytime you can get a need satisfied like that, it feels awesome. I don't know if you've ever been on Amazon. I'm on Amazon Prime, and when I order something and I know it's good, I I almost want to pay the extra $2 to have it delivered the same day just to watch it happen because that's just, that's just magical. That is like voodoo stuff. Like you can order something and it comes the same day or whatever, but it feels good to order something. I'm not going to lie. If there's something I want, a little knickknack or a little thing I want for my phone and I order it and I know in a day I'm going to get it, whew, that feels great. Expedience does feel great. You know, you're, you're, you're working out, you're trying to lose weight and all this kind of stuff, and you're on the no-carb, no-gluten, no-fun diet, and you're driving, and, and it's like there's, there's Carl's Jr., and you're hungry, and you can go home and try to pull out the baggie of celery and, like, ration it out and all that, but I'm just going to get a famous star, man, and it feels fantastic. Expedience feels awesome. Obedience produces awesome. Obedience is that long, those decisions, one after another in the, in the same direction where all of a sudden you go, man, this, my life has meaning. This, the, I'm experiencing joy in the midst of trials. I, I am experiencing God in a way I never thought possible. Expedience feels awesome. Obedience produces awesome. And so I taught you this word telos. You might have known it already, but... Um, but it's just the end. That's, that's the goal. That's the thing. And, and we have a telos for all different areas of our lives. I have a telos for my marriage. I, I want my marriage to be rich and full and just like filled with trust. And, 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 and that we, we, we finish each other's sentences when appropriate. <clears throat> and we, uh, and, and we, we know each other. <laughs> we know each other. <laughs> that was just me going, huh, huh, huh. no, I'm playing. Right. Right. And, and like where I'm not badgering her about finishing my sentences, like all, all these kind of things. I have this, like, I have this, like, tell us for my marriage, this, this end thing. And God has that same thing. And yet there's forces all around me that want to sidetrack me from that. Like men, again, this is just men. I, I'm in the business of making people feel uncomfortable, but por- pornography is one of those things. Like, like we would think to ourselves sexually and emotionally and, and relationally, you, we could have this thing that's so rich that, that God designed and all that, and except pornography is just like right there, and, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's just expedient. And we get distracted and we sacrifice obedience and thus we sacrifice this telos that God has for that. And we can pick so many different areas of our finances and relationships. So, you know, you think about being a follower of Jesus Christ and you think, can you imagine if I could walk onto my my school campus and with all the nonsense that's going on and bullying and all that kind of stuff and people being mean and all that, I could just keep my mouth shut. 
and just experience Jesus in that. That, that's a telos that God has for our speech. God has for us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that, that one of the psalmists was so passionate about this. He just said, just set a guard at the gates of my mouth. Like, like just like, oh man, I just want to be one of those people who just doesn't have to gossip or tell stories. And yet you're with your friends and that person who's so annoying is there. And you've got a one-liner that Jesus had to have written it. It's so awesome. Like, it's funny, and it's, like, poignant, and it says everything you want to say, and, and, and it would be a travesty to all of humankind if you didn't just blurt it out. Like, we would lose as a culture if you didn't say that. And so the expedient thing is you blurt it out. And how many times, how many times have I given up the telos of obedience in my speech for the expedience of some attention, and it's cost me? I, I think of telos as like a hashtag, okay? So a hashtag is another word that's relatively new to our culture. Um, and, you know, it's just the little number sign, and it gives clarity or uh, sometimes, depending on your humor, another level of what's going on, and, you know, you can do all sorts of stuff. But if I, if I said this, finally on vacation, hashtag, I need a raise, <laughs> you'd say the guy's spending too much money. I mean, that would be the, the hashtag gives the content uh, or context to it. If I said, I'm finally on my fa- vacation, my family rocks, you'd go, wow, that's great. They're, they must be having a blast. If I said, finally on vacation, and I had a bunch of Z's, a hashtag, you know, I'm snoring, they think, Oh, it's very relaxing. If I said, finally on vacation, hashtag Advil, you'd be like, well, he must be at the airport, you know, or whatever. It gives context to it. It, it, it kind of shapes it. Our telos is the same thing, only deeper. It brings meaning. This is why I do what I do. This is why I'm created. This is the end vision for me. So what do we do? When we have this sense, this God-given sense that we are created for a purpose, we are created for something great, and we know it, and we know what, what obedience looks like and what it would shape for us, but the day-to-day, you know, kind of thing after thing, it just makes it difficult to hang in there. One of the things that I've, I've, and I've said this many times, it just blows my mind about Jesus the dying on the cross part we focus on and, and as just like, can you imagine someone dies on the cross? And, 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 and don't get me wrong, like, yeah, yes, that's important, okay? What blows my mind is just the day-to-day-to-day-to-day stuff where he just didn't blurt stuff out. His thoughts were in the right place. He was able to be present with people. Like, he didn't get so annoyed that he finally just kind of, like, went the expedient route. It was like every decision, every thought, every step he took was what what his heavenly father guided him to do. That is what blows me away. Not only that he died for my sins, but just that he pulled it off. He pulled off obedience in every single situation. So what I want to do is I want to look at a character in the Bible um, and see... I think this gives us some insight into how when we're trying to um, finish the vision of what we have for our marriage, for our relationships, for all these, what do we do when we get the sidetrack things? When things come up that are expedient, how do we identify it? And then is there a tool or something we can use to go, no, I'm going to focus on this. And the story is of Nehemiah, and he was a cupbearer to the king. And uh, that meant that when the king said, like, I'd like something to drink. You know, he wasn't 
English, but anyway, uh, he, then the cupbearer would bring him his cup, and um, you know, some scholars say he'd taste it first to make sure it wasn't poisoned, or, or he'd just bring it. I don't, I don't know, but um, so he one day, uh, as you read Nehemiah. Nehemiah hears about his hometown, Jerusalem, and how the walls of the city are down and and how the temple's gone. And it's like they're like like the telos he had for that city. It's nowhere near that. And so he begins to weep and it begins to affect him. And he and he's just he's just like it's on him all over. Like, you know, just like you'd have with a friend. Like, are you okay? You just seem really bummed out. Well, the king says that to Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, I've never been sad in his presence before. So this is kind of a big deal. And the king is like, what's going on? And so Nehemiah prays and he says, oh, man, I got to tell the king about this. I don't know what to do. And he prays and he finally just shares his heart with the king. And the king does something crazy. He goes, Go. I'm going to not only go, but I'm going to give you the men you need. I'm going to give you the horses you need. I'm going to give you the materials you need. And I'm going to give you a letter in every little town you go to, every region, to tell the leader of that region that you're going under my command to go back to your home and to fix it up. Now, check this out. What a telos he would have there that the king has given him all the resources he needs, all the people he needs, everything he needs to complete the work for the vision God has given us. Do you know that is the exact same spot you and I are in right now? That God has a vision for your life. And, and I know for some of us, you're like, it's like Jerusalem. The walls are down. There's no way. But God has a vision, and he has provided you with the people and the resources and the things you need. Everything it says, the Bible says he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have it all. Now we just need to realize that telos, realize that end through obedience. And so that's where we find Nehemiah. Now, again, Nehemiah gets there. He starts building. He's got some problems because there's some, they're, they're, the, the Jews aren't treating each other very well. They're lending, lending each other money at very high rates, and, and his stuff is just bothering him. He has a lot of work to do, but he's building the wall, and it's actually working. Well, there are some rulers around him that benefited from this wall not going up. And they benefited when it was devastated. And they were in power and they were in control. And so they start harassing Nehemiah. As a matter of fact, in one part of Nehemiah, he tells people that you, you, you build with one hand and you have a sword in the other. Like you're ready, like, like, like it's starting to heat up a little bit. And that's where we find him right now in chapter 6. And so we're going to read these three guys that for us, it'll be, they'll be introduced for the first time. But uh, if you read the book of Nehemiah, you'd, they would have already been introduced. Um, and uh, uh, it says, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, um, the Arab, which, you know, let's not do that nowadays, okay? Um, just, yeah. Like that, that's kind of offensive. Uh, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, uh, though up to that time I had not set the doors in its gates. So, so all of a sudden, Sanballat, or I like to say Sanballat, but that's just because I like to mess up with people's names. Uh, these guys are starting to hear that this is going to actually work. And it's going up fast, okay? And so here's what they did. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this uh, message. Come. Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Oh, no. <laughs> um, this, this would be a very expedient way to deal with the situation, would be to meet with these guys. 
to, to, to try to be, make it political, like, like that you can have the telos that, that God has placed on his heart, and you can also start to make alliances and, and stuff and do that as well, and that maybe you could kind of work it yourself to make it safe or whatever. And so this is where Nehemiah is. He's, he's got this vision of what he's supposed to be doing, and yet now it's realized this might, these guys might, might get in the way. Maybe I should just meet with them. But what happens as you begin to really step out into obedience in your life? You begin to, um, uh, your ears begin to perk up and you begin to have a sensitivity to what might be expedient, not obedient. And you begin to go, hmm, I, I don't know. Now, people who've been Christians for a long time say, uh, you had a check in your spirit, which if you play hockey, I don't want a check in my spirit, to be quite honest, because that's, uh, oh, that joke was terrible. Not even a laugh. Thank you for laughing, honey. I love you. So sweet. Okay. No, because in hockey, you know, it's a... Ch- ah, God. Okay. Anyway, so people use that term all a lot. But, but that's what begins to happen. As you step out in obedience, as you begin to realize this, 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 this life that God has for you, you begin to notice things that might be expedient, that might get in the way of that. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah says this, but they were scheming to harm me. He noticed this. So even though there was a temptation to go meet and to try to make amends and try to make it right and all this kind of stuff, you, you, uh, um, he, he recognized it. And that's, that's why I wrote underneath there, obedience identifies the telos of expedience. As you begin to understand the end that God has for you, you begin to understand that that's not going to work. It, it seems expedient. It seems like the good thing to do. But I'm telling you, I know the end of what that is. And that's not going to get me where God wants to get me. And so he sends messengers, uh, messengers to them with this reply. And this reply is what I would like us to take into this week as we really begin to think, okay, God, what do you have for my marriage? What do you have for how I raise my kids? What do you have for how I date? What do you have for my relationships? What do you have for my career and my future? What's your telos for those things? And as you begin, begin to step into that, wouldn't it be nice to have something you could just kind of keep in the back of your mind to say that would remind you? And Nehemiah provided us with this. And so if we can memorize this together, or at least get the gist of it, um, we'll have something when we, when we get to school this week, when we get into our jobs, and we begin to realize, I want to step out in obedience, and I don't want to settle for expedience. And here's what he says. So I sent messengers to him, or to them, with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Let's say this together. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. We'll say it one more time. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Now, I want you to think about your life. And, and maybe for some of you, this is brand new type of thinking. But imagine if there was a God who, who, who knows you and loves you. And has a vision for how, forget about your past. Because this is one of the great things about our Heavenly Father. You might be thinking, uh, there's no way. We'll deal with that in a second. But forget about that. You're, the vision that God, you think maybe your Heavenly Father would have for you. That if you step out and you walk in obedience, this is what you're going to become. Think about that in your own life. What does that look like? 
And then let's say together, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Now you find yourself at work, right? And, and, and one of the temptations and for men and women, you know, is that our career gives us value, okay? Our career gives us value. That's something we hear, uh, or at least we, no one would actually try to say that to admit it, but that's the feeling, that's the pressure, is that what I do is who I am, my career. And so you get to your job, and they tell you, hey, you, we got to get this account, and I don't care how you get it, wink, wink. You juxtapose that to the telos that God has for you, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. I've got you. I've got your career. And you say, I am carrying on a great project, and I cannot go down. I cannot be sidetracked. Or let's say you're going to school, and you know that God has put on your heart that, that you are to live for him. And so you're around your peers. And even though they're knuckleheads and you shake your head and go, I think just natural selection, they're going to be gone in a year anyway. But you're, they're just there. Okay, and so you have them as friends or whatever. But you have this vision for something else. And they begin to pressure you into things. They begin to try to save, want you to carry on like a fool and all this kind of stuff. And you just sit there and you say, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. I'm carrying on a great project. Maybe you're trying to raise kids in a way that you think is God honoring. And, 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 and the temptation is you work hard and, and you don't see them too much or whatever. And, and, and now it's time they're here and you're tired and you have the remote control in your hand and you're just like, I just need to relax for a second. That might be a great time to go, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. He goes on too, and, and, and then this is where I think he, he got a little jab in there. And then he says, why should, I, uh, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Like, what are you, what are you actually really offering me? Juxtaposed to this great work I'm doing. That's a great question. That's a great question to ask that expedient thing that's right there in front of you, to ask it somehow and go, what? okay, so what you're telling me is I can do this expedient thing. Why would I do that and give up that? Why, why would I do this thing for you and give up what God would have for me through obedience? It's a great question, a great question to ask that expedient thing. And so that's what he, he says. Now, wouldn't it be awesome uh, if I gave you this great thing to say, and so you're at work or whatever, and uh, you say, it, co- it comes up, you're getting, it's like a temptation or something, or you're in front of your computer and you want to do just one little click, and uh, you're like, I'm carrying on a great project. I cannot come down. So there. Now, wouldn't that be nice as that if you're telling the story, you're like, and it never came back again, <laughs> you know? But that's not life. And that wasn't life for Nehemiah. Look what it says. Four times they sent me the same message. Like, didn't I already tell you? I came up with this really cool thing to say, and I said it, and it was really awesome. And there's in hundreds, thousands of years, they're probably going to be preaching this somewhere, and then they're going to use it. I mean, this, is, this was great. Four times. 
which tells me something about the difference between obedience and expedience. Obedience just takes a long time, many different decisions in the same direction. And so four times it happens. And, and so then you'd think, wouldn't it be great if I could tell you? At time number four, though, it'll go away and you will have mastered whatever it is that... No, what happens is it begins to ramp up a little bit. And this is what happens for Nehemiah. Then the fifth time, Sanballat said, uh, sent his aide to me with the same message. Check this out. In his hand was an unsealed letter. Now, for you and I, we're like, okay, you know, it's a post-it note. <laughs> What's the big deal? But in those days, this is kind of a big deal because what would happen is if I respected you and I had something to bring up between you and I, I would put it in a sealed envelope, sometimes a, a, a felt um, enclosure that tied with ribbon, and then we, the wax would go on that ribbon so that when you got it, you'd know nobody has seen it. But if I sent you a letter that was unsealed, one that was opened, the first thing you would do is you'd get it and go, okay, what, what is this all about? Because it was highly likely that this got out. And so they send him this unsealed letter. You know what it is? Okay, here's, a, here's, here's an unsealed letter. It's a post on Facebook, essentially, right? right? I don't know if you've ever been reading Facebook and someone posted something about you and you're reading it like, what? Why did they post that on Facebook? That was between me and them, and they're using all this couch language, but everyone knows it's me, you know. You need to delete that, or I'm going to unfriend you, or all that kind of stuff. That's basically what it was. They, Sanballat went on his Facebook page, and he posted something about Nehemiah, right? And then Nehemiah's just sitting there going, 50 likes? What the? Right? No. Okay. I'll just, I'll just play it. Although that would be kind of what it's like. And so Nehemiah would have gotten this thing and read it like, Nuts. You know, this is, this is out. The cat's out of the bag. And so Nehemiah 6.5 says this. This is what the letter says. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that this is such, is this not like childish language? Like, you know, everybody believed it. And so, and, but this is what we encounter as we begin to obey. It's like, it's like, why aren't you doing this? Everybody's doing it. Or, or oh, that's so old-fashioned. Or, God doesn't want that for you. God wants this. I mean, this is from the beginning of time. The enemy has been saying this. That's not, he didn't mean that. That's not true. That's not what's going on. This is what happens with Nehemiah. And Geshem says it's true. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this means death for Nehemiah if the king finds out. Like, like if the king believed this. So if there was a time for Nehemiah to try to go, look, hey, okay, uh, uh, I'm doing a very important work. I actually can come down. So let's just try to figure this out. Because if the king finds out, it's going to be a big deal. Oh, guess how the letter ends? Now this report will get back to the king. Okay? So they go on. So come, let us meet together. Let's, let's, you want me to delete it off my Facebook page? I can, but we need to talk first. Now, you'd think Nehemiah would be like that. I mean, again, that's a compelling argument. And if you're going to just kind of lose sight of your telos, this would be a really good death 
is, is up there, okay? If, if you're going to lose sight of your telos, death is probably one of the ones you'd want to say, well, okay. But isn't that what Jesus was tempted with? To get out of that? And yet Jesus understood the telos of how, what he was there for. And he says, not even death. Even though I want, God, if, you can, if there's some way, Heavenly Father, you can get this cup. I'm in it. But you know what? And this is the language of obedience. Not my will, but your will be done. And so they, they say, come on, let's just, just, just for a second, let's get together and all this kind of stuff. And then Nehemiah writes back uh, something that just makes me laugh. Like some things in the Bible just make me laugh. Because I, I would think if you're writing the Bible, you'd come up with a way better answer than Nehemiah did. <laughs> like Nehemiah's answer to them, like I thought it would be this super well-crafted like, uh, you know, manifesto of, you know, life and why and Jerusalem and the temple and God Almighty. And, 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 and just keep this in the back of your mind as you're trying to argue. He says, uh, nothing like what you're saying is happening. <laughs> Basically, he's like, nah, no, that's not, that's not happening. You're just making it up. <laughs> I like this. You're just making it up out of your head. Like you're just, you're, you're, which is weird because it kind of sounds, he's like, you're out of your mind. You know, it's like, it's, it, it kind of sounds like that. But he's just like, you're, you're making it up out of your head. It's just not true. And, and this is really helpful when it comes to, to, to being sidetracked by the telos, by the immediacy for obediency, right? It's that, it's that the lie is that, look, if you don't, if you don't do this, with this in this relationship, you're, never, you're always going to be alone. You, you need to kind of make this happen. And all your answer has to be is, no, that's not true. Oh, you deserve this. No, I don't. I don't deserve it. And so Nehemiah has these two great weapons that we can have this week. The first is just, I'm, what I'm doing is way too important for me to be messing around. And the other thing is, the very thing you want me to mess around in is a lie anyway and won't get me to the goal that God has for me in my life. So he, he sees it and he says they were all trying to frighten, uh, frighten us, thinking their hands will be, get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Um, we don't have time. There's a section in Hebrews, um, as Adra comes back up, there's a section in Hebrews that, uh, Hebrews 11 and 12, that really kind of fleshed it, what it would look like. And so this week, I really encourage you, if you spend time uh, with God each day in the Bible, pick Hebrews 11 and 12. Uh, you could probably start even start in 10 and just get this idea of what does it look like when people really buy into the end vision that God has for them. What, what, what does it look like in their lives? And, and, and the writer of Hebrews talks about at least 23 people where this happened and just the rich relationship they have with God because they just kept their mind focused. Um, I, don't, I don't have time to, to scroll through all the things I was going to scroll through, but um, just finding it, in the Bible, there's this great uh, um, thing that Hebrews that kind of ends with. 
after it talks about all these great heroes in the Bible, all, all these people in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by all these great people who did it, they made it, right? This, this cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one who did it, the one through every little, every little side you know, being distracted and all this kind of stuff said, nope, that's a lie. That's not going to get me where I need to go. Nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to engage here. I, th- my work is too good. I'm, I'm about my father's work, and I just got to do it. So as Adjua closes us in this song, I, I just ask the question, as I've been talking, has God put anything on your heart where you're thinking, you know what, this area of my life is just based on ex- be, trying to be expedient rather than obedient? I need, to, I need to drop it, or I need to re... You know, what, what is the lie that's, that's happening? It's not working for me. What, how, do, how do I get past that? And the nice thing is, you can leave it here. We sweep up afterwards, <laughs> right? So you, you can take that thing, and you can leave it right here in the sanctuary. And, and the other thing is, I told you I'd brush on this just a little bit. Some of you might be thinking, John... My whole life is expediency, and it's just not going to work. I've done too much damage. It's too late. I, uh, for my sexuality, I, uh, that's already got. For my finances, uh, if you saw my credit card. And I, I'm just telling you right now, on Father's Day, you have a heavenly father that says it's not too late. That you can actually fulfill the telos, the end result that God has for you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, as we just take this time to reflect on your word and your love for us and uh, your vision for us, or we just declare uh, we are working on a very, very important project and we can't come down. And Lord, that project is us and our relationship with you. And so, Lord, as we are faced this coming week and even this morning with decisions to make, Lord, I pray, give us the courage. Give us the courage to look expediency in the eye and say, that's not true. You're just making it up. And then again, fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you for that.